Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod brought to you by Asahi Superdry. I'm Andy Rowe and Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be chatting about the valiant but heartbreaking semi-final exit for England against South Africa. A procession for the All Blacks against Argentina. Looking ahead to the All Southern Hemisphere final and we'll be chatting to World Cup winning Springbok Francois Lowe. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports, I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Goody, you look like a bag of shit. Whoa! How to kick a man when he's down? What do you mean I look like a bag of shit? What's happened over the weekend? I've lost my eyes, all right? I mean, basically, I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm deflated. Some of it to do with the rugby, some of it was self-inflicted over the weekend, and I'm a bit tired and jaded now. But it's Monday, and I'm happy to be seeing my good friend James Hamilton on screen, to be sat next to you, Andy Rowe. Mm Mm-hmm. Chatting all things rugby union because that's what we do. You need your friends. Just say it. You need a comfort blanket. Someone give us a hug. I need a hug. Obviously, the rugby. Yeah, we're going to get onto that in a bit. But yeah, Saturday night I um, unleashed. And basically, we're watching the game. Beers are flowing, and then you get to the 78th minute when the game changed and turned, and Africa went ahead. And honestly, the noise and the excitement and the atmosphere in the pub was phenomenal until the 78th minute and then it was like a morgue and so the only way to carry on is pretend you won and carry on drinking so ended up out till the early hours which i regretted what time uh got home about quarter past four. Oh, quarter past four yeah but it's a long trip back isn't it you know yeah Blender. long trip back but also the kickoff was really late kickoff was 10 o'clock but you don't know what the time is when you're out do you so every bloke's excuse. I didn't even know what the time was, all right? One minute's 10 o'clock, next minute's 4 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And rather stupidly, I got home about 4.15, and yeah, sleeping's always difficult, isn't it, after a night out? Especially when you know the kids are coming in at about 7 in the morning because we had a load of family over on Sunday for the girls' birthday. They turned 6 last week, the twins. Happy birthday, Bella and Olivia. I didn't enjoy yesterday, I'm not going to lie. Kids' party... After about three hours sleep, hung Well, over. they're not enjoyable anyway, are they? You never come away from a kid's party thinking, wow, that was class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pretended, I smiled, I hugged them, 
they were like, Daddy, why are you giving him so many hugs? I'm like, I just need a hug. Just need a hug. So yeah, it was, I'm a bit down today. But as I said, happy to be here with my friends talking rugby. And Jim, how are you, mate? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've been a bit down as well. What? No, I just, yeah, I know, believe it or not, you know, rubbing shoulders with Javier Bardem thinking, Hollywood, what am I doing with my life? Well, we're doing a podcast, so it's up there with Hollywood. But I've come home just as we get to the the last leg of the World Cup with the final around the corner. I had to get home just for a few days. As much as I love my job, I'm sick of Paris now. Most of the time I'm looking down at my phone. That's my companion the whole time. Smoke and mirrors. People are like, you living the dream. I am living the dream, but it's quite a lonely existence when, you, when you're on your own all day. <laughs> Did you pitch a role in anything? Yeah. Like, you must just, have Just use me, use me as a freak. Use me as a freak. No, I actually had a line that I completely forgot. I was going to say, when you bring out no country for tall men, put me in there. You can run me over in a car. You can blitz me to death while I'm lying in bed. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm happy to get my head slammed in the door. Anything. You'd take a slam door on the head to get in a movie. I'm happy to be on all fours. I'll do whatever. Movie. <laughs> what are you doing on all fours? Anything. Anything. <laughs> whatever I'm asked to do. Whatever the director wants. Goody? Uh, uh, what would I be? I would be Leonardo DiCaprio, but not Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously, because he's way better looking and all that stuff. I'd be Leonardo DiCaprio from... Wolf of Wall Street. There you go. Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> if you can play a role, that's what I want to play. That's it. That's how I want to live my life. He is one of the greatest actors, I'd say. You know, when they talk about it, they're like, right, who are the greatest actors? Like, yeah. I'd say Leonardo DiCaprio would be in the top two or three. Denzel as well. Mm. Get him on, Jim. Get him on the Big Jim Show Hey, live. talking of that, talking of the Big Jim Show live, guess who we've got next week? Oh, go on. Andy Good. I'll give you a guess. Who's the, who's the biggest megastar in the world, would you say? Just in general, across everything, across all genres. And do not say Richie Sunak. Do not you dare. Uh, Boris Johnson, you got him on. Oh, could you? He likes his rugby. I was going to say Jason Momoa, but I don't know that. Jason Momoa's yeah. a good guess. There's similarities. The Rock. Andrew. You got The Rock. If you can smell. You got The Rock. Oh, you hear What the Big Jim Show's cooking. The Rock's coming to the final. He yeah. genuinely got The Rock on the Big Jim Show live. Well, I say that. We can put pressure on him. We've requested he come on, be pitch side, and be on the Big Jim Show live on Rugby Pass TV. So. I'll tell you what. His series that he did around the NFL. The Ballers. What a show that was. Yeah. That's how you want to live your life as well. Oh, of course. But The Rock, imagine if it it's comes huge. off. Yeah, there's some big names. Jim, just don't let Beck watch. If you're stood next to The Rock, I don't think she's looking nah, at you. This is what she said. She said, I, th I thought they'd be a bit bigger, like Javier Bardem. and nah, The Rock's massive. Gerard Butler. I was like, yeah, maybe he is. All right. <laughs> but just being pitch side, Andrew, this is where you might not have seen it. You might have seen it. Like, it's not all glory. Like, I do miss a few steps. Like, it is very difficult having never presented anything in my life and next thing I'm on the biggest stage doing it. Like, Eben comes over and RG Snyman. The questions were so shit. What'd you say? Not a lot. I didn't really have anything in my mind. It's like, what do you say to a gladiator that's just played in that test match? It's like, oh, Did you say, good, Eben, good what do you think when they hooked you off after 45? Were you that bad? <laughs> I know. I should have said to RG Snyman, I should have said, what was it like scoring that try, which basically turned the game. And I didn't. I was just like, oh, um, yeah, a good game. <laughs> oh, love, love you, Mohawk. Yeah, I, I should have said that. Anything but what I said. But no, it was from what we saw on the Friday night, the All Blacks Argentina team run compared to that test match, which is very different to the quarterfinals we saw the week before in terms of the way the games were played. It was a phenomenal atmosphere with England, South Africa. And I know we will get into it, but to be pitch side again was 
an honour with the great Dan Carter. Well, let's get into it then. Who saw that performance coming? Me. I don't think people saw it. I think people hoped for it and knew it was in there somewhere. You can't look at what we've done at the World Cup and go, that's how England were going to perform in that semi-final off form. But you could say it around some of the players. And we said it, didn't we, last week? Like Those boys are going to have to go back to the semi-final against New Zealand four years ago and find something. They've all got it individually. And my God, didn't it come out? And yet the weather was a bit of a leveller, let's be honest. But England were a completely different team to anything that we've seen at the World Cup. You know, the desire, the fight, the physicality, the way they just chuck themselves around. And we're going to obviously talk about a few refereeing decisions, but the boys were putting everything out there. The way they were flying to rocks and tackles without a care in the world for their own self-preservation. Look at the way Curry walks off the field when he comes off eventually. Absolutely battered. They've gone to the well, emptied the tanks, and it was it was a heroic performance from majority of them. You know, we chatted about Joe Marler last week. He gets to start. Coley, he starts. You know, Jim's abused Coley for years. One of the big things was when those two go off, the game changes. Like, Joe Marler was outstanding. He had the red Lycra shorts on in a little nod of appreciation to our Twitter exchange, should we call it, last week. And I, I just knew he was going to put the red light. He was only missing the gloves. But he had the red light because I thought he, he needs an Andy Goode performance. I'm joking. He was he was brilliant. And to a man, Marrow, unbelievable. Best he's played in, I'd say, three years. Yeah. So they all stepped up. Ben Earl, again, he's been fantastic throughout the whole World Cup. Isn't it mad to think that he hardly started a game before the World Cup for England, but had 15 or 17 appearances off the bench? Curry was everywhere, smashing people. Courtney Laws, huge. Retiring as well. Yeah. What a fabulous career he's had. Four World Cups. Jeez, I mean, he has put in a, a massive shift ring. But you, you look across the field, did I see that sort of performance coming? I hoped we had something like that in us. And now we're chatting about it. You look back on the game and you look at the differences in such a tight game. And obviously their bench had a way bigger impact than our bench. You know, I thought, I don't want to be negative, but I thought Billy was very poor. i got a question about Billy. I feel a bit harsh saying it because we just lost the World Cup semi-final, but the way he struts and, and walks on and like walks around and it's like he's a bit lethargic. Everyone else is battering themselves to get a yard with the ball, get an inch in a tackle, win the collision, get a neutral collision, whatever. He just didn't seem like he was wanting it or at the races, really. He obviously spilled a few balls. The try that they end up scoring comes off the back of him at the tail of the line out. It's like everyone had energy and sometimes too much energy with the celebrating and the how pumped we were, but that was part of England's psyche. And Billy was like in a different team or something at times compared to where the levels that the other boys were at. But bar a couple, they were phenomenal. Owen Farrell, our skipper, yes, he overstepped the mark. I think he gave four penalties away. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. And obviously the big one, when he wouldn't give the ball back and they get another 10 metres and then Libert kicks it. From 49 metres, does he get it? If he doesn't give the 10 metres away, probably not. He did boil over a bit, didn't he? Let's be honest. But that's where he got his team to. For that war, he got his team at the levels that they needed to physically, emotionally. And when the rain was coming down and, you know, Jim was obviously out there saying it's absolutely a push and down, pal. It was going to be a leveller and it was going to be that sort of game. There's going to be no free-flowing rugby, no chucking the ball around willy-nilly like we've seen the Springboks do. It was going to become a war of attrition, a 10-man game, chase the kicks, win the aerial battle, break down, smash the life out of anyone that you see. It was a brutal game 
and one for the purists around set piece and everything that goes with it. And we'll debate all the scrums till the cows come home. But it was a thoroughly enthralling game for every other reason and every different reason that we loved those two quarterfinals the week before in Paris. You know, proud to be English, seeing that performance, but obviously devastated with how it turned out. Because let's be honest, when you get into the position that we got into, 15-6 up, in the manner that we dominated huge parts of that game, and you could see the panic in the South Africans' bench, the management, they're all shouting at each other, like down the walkie-talkies, and you can see everyone's just listening to whatever Razzie says. He's the gaffer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. The complete gaffer. But you can see all the panic, and they're all like, ah, you know, and they made some brilliant big calls. Yeah, I feel for Marnie Lebock, taking him off after 30 odd minutes. It was the right decision tactically because of the weather, because of how the game was unfolding. But, geez, I mean, Jim, have you ever been hooked off before half time? No, but I have done it half time. And yeah. it's embarrassing. It's, it's awful at half time, isn't it? Exactly. Highest level, and you're a million percent right. It was definitely the right decision. And that's the thing, as in Rassi Erasmus, you're 100% right, is running the show, made a massive decision. Did that win them the game? Well, it didn't really change much, but what it did do is move it into an old-school game in which we've seen South Africa before and more comfortable, and then Andre Pollard to get that kick at the end and have the knackers to do that and the confidence to do that. Yeah, like as in Mali Labot just looked off, didn't he? Dropped the ball a couple of times, like shanked a couple of kicks, even though he was under pressure. His kicks to touch were poor as well. And I think you called it a year ago when I said that Andre Pollard, was he the right man for Leicester? That's yet to be proven, but there's no doubt about it. On test level and when it really matters, his confidence and the quality, he's world-class. Was he the difference? I'm not too sure. I'll just go back to Andy Rowe's first question about, did you see that performance come in? I genuinely did. Their game plan, which they deployed unbelievably well, that kicking game, kicked the ball 41 times with the set piece, which was functioning marrow physically, the way that you mentioned about Tom Curry and Ben Earl around the breakdown. Freddie Stewart, that game was made for him. The big one we haven't spoken about yet as well, George Martin. Oh, I was going to come on to him. Yeah. Tweeted a while ago when he played. Was it a Leicester game that he should be England's starting second row? I, I thought it should have been him and Ollie Chesham, but Marrow came back to the fore. was unbelievable. Freddie Stewart, all but one kick. Yeah. The one that mattered at the end where Quagga Smith goes up against him, knocks it on. That's the scrum that it comes off. All but one. He was phenomenal as well. Perfect game plan. Rattled South Africa. They were nowhere near emotionally at the level they were in the quarterfinals, but that's credit to England. Yeah, going further into the game, I don't know, the referee's been brought up. I actually feel really sorry for Ben O'Keefe, especially before the game had even started when he was coming up on the big screen. The crowd was going ballistic. And I only looked at the second half of the game. More specifically, I watched the last 20 minutes because I had my views on Ben O'Keefe. I didn't want to be too harsh and I knew we were going to talk about the scrum at the end that's doing the rounds on social media. Honestly, the last 10 minutes where Snyman scores, the scrums, the decisions. He made every single decision right. I, I agree. I agree. The start of the game, I thought he gave a lot to England. Yes, agree. We were getting the rub of the green from him. Really were. And there's all these pictures on, as Jim's going to talk about on social media, of, of the scrum. First thing that happens in that scrum is Genji's knees on the floor. Yeah. Which is a penalty. And that he's clear with how he says it, isn't he? He says, your knees on the floor, which led to you getting underneath the tight end and you both chasing each other in. And yes, the angle, the picture 
from the shot above, it looks like no one's scrummaging straight. They're both in an angle, but he was dead right. 100% right. That scrum at the end, which was the the big call, obviously. Yeah. There was a few scrums before. Big decisions, big players. Willie LaRue, when he comes on, calls the mark, did he? On the 22, just puts the ball down, they scrum. And that exchange from that point between the big players, off that scrum, kicks to Freddie Stewart. Freddie Stewart kicks back. Then the up and under goes up. And it's Quagger Smith, again, who had the turnover at the end of the game for France, is the one that goes up against Freddie Stewart. And that's the scrum then which everyone's debating. And I can go into more details about it if you want. Like you listen to Dave Flatman, Bernard Jackman's put a few things up. Like I've gone through it. I love scrummaging. I look at it. A lot of the times the referees, they are 50-50 decisions. Like one thing to look at when you talk about a dominant scrum, of course, go and look at the front row. So whatever side the camera's on, for that scrum specifically, yep. it was on the tight head. The decision was made on the loose head with Genji's knees going down, which we've been privy to the different camera angles. So it was 100% right. But you look at Kyle Sinclair's first movement on the engage of the scrum on the set, his foot goes back. So the minute your foot goes back, that means the weight on your foot, as it comes up, the weight of the scrum is coming through. And that happened all the time when that front row came on. So they were never in a dominant position at all. Whereas Coley, old school, Marler as well, it was more of a contest. And I'd say that South Africa got not necessarily in the scrum, but some kind of micro decisions against them. But on the biggest stage, Ben O'Keefe there has made the biggest call. And England fans will hate this, and it's undeniable, but he was 100% right. And you've got to give him credit for that. Yeah. You know, you question Steve Borthwick taking off Marler and Cole. You know, I don't know whether lads can go 80 minutes anymore, and that's perhaps an issue with the game. Is there a depth issue at front row for... Well, I mean, Carl Sinclair was poor, wasn't he? You know, there was a big difference when Coley went off. And Carl Sinclair hasn't he's not played that well for a while, has he? I don't think. He's not dominated scrums. Seems to have lost his edge a little bit, I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. You say poor, it's poor compared to what South Africa brought on. And all the talk in the week was Oxen Che and how world class he's been. It comes down to personnel. We mentioned this when we were talking about Scotland. Whoever you've got your best players, whether or not it's Will Stewart to come on, whether or not Coley, who's fifty two, comes on or starts, and you've got Carl Sinclair as well. You're either a scrummage or you're not. And we saw in the final four years ago, England's Achilles heel was the scrum. That lost them the World Cup. It lost them that game in the final. That was Coley though, wasn't it? And that was Coley. So it answers your question, Andy Rowe. And it's been doing the rounds. We saw Matt Williams talking about it on Virgin Media's side of the media around the scrums and the power around that that the different teams have. Like, should that be the case? Is that the kind of game that we want to have? That's what South African rugby's been built on. And you look at where it changed in the last 10 minutes... Scrum pen, kick to corner, line out drive. Deal for re breaks out, power play. RG Snyman around the corner, runner off nine. Bang, power. And then that was a repeat for the next kind of eight or nine minutes and effectively one South Africa of the game got them into the final. Crazy, but that's how they play. How did you rate Steve Borthwick's performance tactically as a coach here? Well, that's performance of England, how we were set up, was how Steve was always going to coach that team in that game of that magnitude and that weather with the tools at his disposal in terms of the players. However they got to those arousal levels and emotional levels and physical levels is a tip of the slipper to whoever got them to that. Because collectively, we haven't seen that, have we? I don't think since four years ago when we beat you Kiwis, Andy Ray, in the semi-final. 
Oh, there's a long time ago. Yeah, it is. We've moved uh, on. But, but we have. And then on the flip side of that, we know we've played in them games. Like there's games where you rock up. There's games where you turn up like England did, like they did against New Zealand four years ago, like South Africa did against France, like Ireland and the All Blacks did against each other. You can't do that week on week. That is the challenge, right, for any team, is how do you back up that? South Africa couldn't get to that emotional level. Yeah. But as we've spoken about, we know the players, we've seen them play. We know emotionally there is a level that they can get to, which is at the highest level, which they showed at the weekend. But doing that week on week is, I'd say, near on impossible. That's been part of the frustration, though, hasn't it? Like Watching this England team, and you're right, we haven't seen him for four years. Yeah. It's a long time to be waiting for you to turn up and play properly. Yeah, that has been the question. That's been the frustration. And that's where England fans have been over the last few years. The disconnect between the team and the fans' performance expectation. That all married up on Saturday night. And everyone was fully behind that England team. And you can see like the desire of them. I'm seeing Elliot Daly going and smashing boys where... You know, we've seen Elliot Daly drop off a lot of tackles in England shirt previously. He's a, he's a friend of mine. And, you know, he was questioned around his defensive capabilities. Well, he's just shown it in a World Cup semi-final, how hard he can be when he wants it. And, and everyone was at that level. I say everyone. Most were at that level, which produced an amazing, not backs against the wall performance, because we dominated huge swathes of that game. But it was backs against the wall in terms of what everyone thought from the outside about England, including England fans. So the connection's back. The next thing is what's going to happen post-World Cup. Because that's the last time that squad will be together. And so, naturally, that's the last sort of collective for that team. So, getting them to that level was phenomenal. But the frustration of, realistically, England should be in the final. There seemed to be genuine beef between the two sides as well, wasn't there? Yeah, I'd say the heightened tension around what's at stake. The way England are, and I said it last week, how some people say you can see why... England aren't very well liked. They were celebrating every micro victory, weren't they? And and that was part of getting them to that emotional state to really dominate and take this game to South Africa. So the big thing about Vili LaRue celebrating at the end, which caused a bit of a push and shoving. He's know. come in from 50 metres away. He yeah. has screamed and yeah. shouting and screaming. He hasn't just gone up to one player, he's gone to a few and just yeah. run around. I'm not face. defending him at all. Like he's gone up, screamed and, and then sort of jumped over and there's two England players there and I couldn't see who it was but he's given it big licks to them. But let's not forget England have been doing that all game as well. Not run them from 50 metres but you watch everything. Marrow's got his one hand up in the air, Ben Earl, they're all doing it, Tom Curry. And there's nothing wrong with it but the other thing is if you're doing it in the game as an England player and then you lose, it's going to come back to you. Mm. And, and the opposition, loads of people would have watched that celebration, all the celebrating. It's well documented, isn't it? So, and Villa Leroux, you know, he's obviously got history in the Prem with Wasps and Saracens and all that stuff. And who knows? No one can put themselves in the position of either Villa Leroux or any of the England players because they've just lost a World Cup semi final in the last two minutes or just won a World Cup semi final in the last two minutes. How do you know what that emotion brings out in people? And yeah, a bit of pushing and shoving and Villa Leroux, you can probably look at it and go, he's gone over the top. But, you know, it was a physical war. I think there was a lot of respect, but also a lot of. When, you, when you've got two monster teams going at each other, I saw what Razzie put out. I couldn't believe it. Do you see the tweet that Razzie put out around the size of players, the age, the size, the average weight and all this stuff? Yeah. What was it? Fucking England were bigger. Well, England, England were bigger. England <laughs> had more are. caps, more experience. Yeah. yeah. And so we're just fans that watch it. And Jim's obviously that was their pitch side. You can't understand the emotion unless you've lived it. And 
I haven't lived that in a World Cup semi-final. Not many people have the pain and the ecstasy. But there, there was clearly beef because it's a, it's a war, isn't it? Rugby can be. And that was a one for the purists of out and out. Who's bigger? Who's more powerful? It came down to the scrum, the driving line out, the big hits, the defence. wasn't pretty rugby, but those games bring out more in people, don't they, in terms of emotions because it is alpha on alpha who's got the biggest nuts. And unfortunately, Slavka just had a little bit too much for us with the scrum and Ox and Che and talk about nuts, Vincent Cock. Yeah. He came on and he had an absolute world of a... They, yeah, they turned the scrum round from what was very stable. And they were just very small differences in an epic contest that went down to one point in the last two minutes. And his fresh chat about getting rid of the scrums or changing the laws around the scrums to make it less of a focal point in the game, obviously probably coming from England fans after losing. Why are you just sticking the knife in, Andy Ray? Absolute Judas. No, I disagree. I know Jim said previously, get rid of the scrum. I mean, it's an integral part of our heritage of a game. You get rid of the scrum, you go to rugby league. And I tell you what, if you get rid of the scrum, you will make every forward a back rower or a fit second rower that can goo and goo and goo. And that makes for you know bigger collisions. It makes for defensively teams that are much stronger, less space to attack, etc. I love the scrum. People like, speed the game up, speed the game. If you want to play touch, if you want to play sevens, if you want a fast game that's not part of our heritage and... You know, there's a balance to be had around time it takes for scrums, but also it's an integral part of the game. The set piece, scrum line out, it's like the Australians tried it years ago. They wanted to depower the scrum because they were shit at it. The other side of it now, South Africa are the best in the world. What are you going to do next? So you can't goal kick because Andre Pollard's one of the best goal kickers in the world. Like, you can't just take team super strengths off them. Because... Remember when Johnny was banging over drop goals yeah. and, and New Zealand wanted to change the, change yeah, the laws change around the... drop goals, exactly. make it worth one point? Exactly. So teams are going to play to their strengths. And, and the beauty of rugby is there's so many ways to set a team up, play to your strengths, whether it's a 10-man game, whether it's a 15-man game, whether it's chuck it around everywhere. You know, you have to adjust as a team, A, to the team in front of you, but B, to your strengths. You ain't going to play a certain way when you haven't got the players or the abilities to do it and South Africa plays their strengths and that is scrummaging and you know they nearly lost a semi-final you can't then say oh they only won it because of a scrum so deep out of the scrum like ridiculous comment for me yes we're in the business of entertainment but there's entertainment in set piece battles that's what rugby's built on as well as exciting back moves and layered attack and all this stuff Chesney and Colby stepping and we didn't see any of that the weekend because the game didn't suit it and sometimes that happens Jim Ban the scrum. That's what you said. I didn't say ban the scrum. I said it could be something that could be looked at. That's not me saying that. That is a wider conversation around the entertainment. World Rugby have made you say that, have they? No, not at all. No, we had an open forum discussion about it. I love scrums. I love all parts of it. I just said you need to try and make a better product and spectacle out of that part of the game, especially when there's so many resets and what could be done around that. Like, How do you make that into an entertainment part in itself which I have an opinion on and probably now isn't the time to talk about that but you're right that you can't just all of a sudden be getting hose in the scrum and next thing you're taking it away I mean it is the one part of the game that as a fan as a casual fan as a new fan understanding and we've seen this on social media because the clips that are going around about the angle of Vincent Cock on Ellis Genge has had millions of impressions and thousands of people interacting with it so it shows you the limited knowledge that fans have of it and also generally especially at lower levels the referees will make a lot of mistakes and a lot of wrong calls 
in that situation. I just go back to how impressive Ben O'Keefe was in that game to make the right calls and make the big calls. They're the things that need to be worked on around that. And there's so many things that can go wrong in a scrum. A slip of a one foot, the angle of one player. There's so many things. But that's part of it. I mean, I love that part of it. I can understand why people would say, I think the scrums need to be sped up, but it's a very topical thing. Like there's a load of things that I would look at and change because the game has so many laws and so many different interpretations around it. But there's also a chaotic romance around that as well. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Well, Jim is spoken about some of the superstars of the world that have joined in pitch side in this World Cup, but none come any bigger than former Springbok and World Cup winner Francois Lowe. Thanks for joining us, mate. Oh, a pleasure to be here and um, touched by those kind words from, from Big Jim, an old foe, now a friend and a partner on this wonderful stage and these wonderful games we've just witnessed. How awesome was it, Francois, being pitch side? We were chatting about it. Even though we've been there, I say we, you know, I've been there on a much lesser level than you. But having been there as a player, you've won the World Cup in 2019. It was class being close to the, the Coliseum again, wasn't it? Unbelievable scenes. I mentioned to you on Saturday, way more stressful being a fan than it is being a player. But I mean, watching those games unfold, when we looked at the, we saw the two quarterfinal games in Paris. I mean, the, the intensity of those matches. You know, ABs had a bit of a clean run in against the RGs. You know, I think they were just class, two class on the day. But how about England, South Africa? I mean, don't even know what to say about that game. So close. Box hanging in there till the bitter end. Bomb squad doing the thing again. Those boys came on, managed to eke out some penalties there at the scrums. And 
you know, I'm no scrum expert. I'm yet to actually meet a scrum expert, and that includes the front rowers because no one actually knows <laughs> <laughs> what goes on there. But yeah, the guys, the guys hanging there, pushed through for a one point victory to eke into into the finals uh, once again. And looking back at the game, I'm going to ask you, as a South African, right? Everyone thinks during the game you're watching it, you probably believed you're going to win or you could still win. At any point, 15, six down, 12 minutes to go, are you thinking, looking around, looking at Razzie, looking at Ninaba, all the coaches, they're all panicking, they're all ranting at each other a bit and Khaleesi's come off after 40-odd minutes, Etzebeth's off after... Is there any point where you thought it's gone, it's absolutely gone, or is there still that belief inside every South African that no matter what happens, you've always got the ability to win that game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as as players, I mean, it's it's, it's a cliche saying, you know, play to the whistle, play to the play to the last minute. But it, it really is that, and I think it's it's kind of something that we've we've tried to instill into our sort of call it DNA as as, as Springboks. Um, you know, that it's not over till it's over, and you literally you literally push to the very end. There's so much that can happen. In fact, when we were slightly trailing there at the end, I was just thinking, Owen Farrell's going to kick another drop goal. I think if, if England get into the South African half, here comes three points. He took the confidence from that ballsy kick that he did, beautiful, slotted that thing through, and I thought, hang on, this is this is going to happen again. But I suppose it uh, took balls on balls there. Uh, once again, South Africa opting for a scrum from a mark. I have to say, when they did that, I was like, oh, I don't know if that was the right call. You know, they did it and kept pushing for it, you know, and I think, you know, the guys just had confidence in, in the systems and the structure. You know, I think at the end of the day, you can never control the results. It's always it's always an outcome of, of the inputs. And I think, you know, just having the coolness and the calmness to stick to to whatever they were trying to do in those last few moments paid off, paid massive dividends. But it's a, it's a huge mindset just to hang in there, um, literally, because, you know, you, you like, I, I see you like on the edge and you're thinking, oh, we've got to run it or I've got to do something special or it's up to me to do that kick or, you know, something of the sort. But um you know, credit to those guys. They never broke away from what they're doing. We played to our strength and uh, very narrowly crept in there, as we, as we said. The big positive, I'd say, Francois, in this from a South African perspective is that you got through that game from an emotional point of view. There's no doubt about it, watching it back. Yes, we can credit England, but the emotional, mental level, they weren't as up as they were against France. I think that's fair to say. How difficult is it to get to that level? And you've been at them levels, having played in the quarter semi-final, then went on to win it. How difficult is it to be at that level for three games in a row? And do you think it does benefit South Africa because they weren't at that level against England? So they know that they've got a few more gears to get to for the final and it almost like resets the mind. Yeah, I think think that's probably the... You know that's probably the essence of it is that that motivational side. The work's been done. You know the strategies have been put in place. The fitness, the conditioning's all been done. When you get to this stage of the tournament, it's it's all about being up for it and being cool, calm, and collected. As I said, you know, sort of falling back onto what you know best. You know, I think it was clear that you know not not all the the, the Saffron guys were firing. Hence, some big strategic calls from the coaches there to make really early subs. Uh, Manny Liebach coming off so early, Sia coming off early, Dwayne coming off early, uh, Eben also really early. I mean, he was a stalwart for us in that French quarterfinal. But I think that also speaks volumes in terms of the squad that's that's been been tried to be built over these last um, well six years, really. You know, since since 2018, you know, the big reliance on having quite an interchangeable 
side, the combinations there, especially front rowers, the halfback combinations uh, with the tens, you know, Manny Liebock and Kuna Squibus Reynach giving us something quite different to what Andre and Fakta Klerk would give us. Center pairings interchangeable with Billy LaRue and Damien Dialinda. And likewise with the locks, I mean, how good is it to sub an amazing player like Jevon Etzebeth and you get Adgeus Neyman come on? I mean, Sonny Bill Williams style over the top doing offloads and then eking in that try and, you know, just crunching over some of the Englishmen there. And uh, I think that was quite massive. But as you said, Jim, I mean, that's that emotional knock that the guys took in that quarterfinal, that is going to play, play heavily on the guys. You know, AB seemed to have bounced back from that quite nicely, you know, all respect to Argentina. But, you know, that... I think that was kind of going to be a lopsided uh, result in the end. But it's going to be different this weekend. Not only because it's a final, it's because we're playing the All Blacks. I mean, that is a test match in its own. And now you're just throwing that in there in the middle of Paris, 1995, all over again. I mean, I'm getting pumped up. I mean, if I had my boots, I'd dust them off and give Rassi a call and say, look, I can give you three and a half minutes. That's all I can Go give on, you. Go on, my China. <laughs> That's all you need to get a medal. <laughs> That's all I can give you. I mean, uh, as a spectator and a supporter now, this is, I mean, for South Africans, this is, this is the biggest game that could possibly be to play New Zealand in a World Cup final. I don't think it can ever get bigger than that. And do you think that game at Twickenham is going to have any bearing on this weekend? Because the pants were fully down of the All Blacks, were jet lagged, mate. Jet lagged. They're complaining about being poisoned in '95. The excuses are coming out already. Uh, but they, let's be honest, the All Blacks look bloody good, don't they? Yeah. The last two weeks they've been phenomenal. They're under the radar after getting absolutely hosed by France early on. The Springboks won't take any team lightly, obviously. But how are they looking at this All Blacks team now? Because they're actually quite hard to analyse. I think their scrums a lot better. You know, they've surprised a few people in the last two games with how cohesive they are. Not that tough on the wing, though. Yeah, well, exactly. Will Jordan ain't that tough. He can score tries, but they're going to go after him, I guarantee it. You know, I think, I think, I think no one can ever underestimate the All Blacks. Um, you know, they're a team that's been dominant in world rugby for, um, you know, close to a decade and kind of gone off the mark the last few months. But I think that internal resilience is also there and it's not something to be underestimated. I mean, for them to, you know, to lose that opener to France, I think as South Africans, we know, you know, that happened to us in, in 2019. You know, you got one life in the pools. They use that life. That's okay. It doesn't matter. You can still kick on and get all the way through. But for them to come back and put a performance up like they did against Ireland, it's definitely something to take note of. You know, a lot of those individuals are firing you know, and I think sometimes in a team you need you need your key your key men to fire. You know, it's one thing having collective, but you know, each team's got their um, you know well their stalwarts, their big men, and their you know their, their key players that can can affect the game. And we saw we saw something brilliant from Sam Kane and Artie Sevier in that game, and, and you know, two players that have sort of been ticking along a bit of finding a bit of form. And I think um, you know South Africa will be wary of that. They'll look at that. You know, likewise, I, I suppose the enthusiasm that I, I talk about this game from is, um, you know, they're experiencing the same. For them, it's it's as big. It's 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 their old foes, their old rivals. You know, they want glory as much as we do, and especially over the over the Springboks. You know, there's no doubt that they're going to be be up for that. Um, you know, Twickenham was an amazing win for South Africa, but that was then. That was then. It was almost a different era. I mean, so much happens, and and, and rugby moves so quickly, week to week, and. Uh, finding form, finding confidence, uh, finding tact. You know, South Africa have, have gone seven one six two five three. Who knows what Rassi's going to do? What are they going? What are they going? Six two. I reckon six two. That's my that's my prediction. You know, I think that seven one worked well on that day, but you kind of roll the dice a little bit. You know, you're going to put Quacha on the wing or at centre. He could play anywhere. That bloke, couldn't he? 
He could play absolutely anywhere. Reminds me of a young Francois Lowe, to be fair. Thank you very much. Oh, he's playing wonderful rugby. I think uh, you know someone mentioned that his you know his statistic in terms of involvements and battles won at this stage, even coming from that was Andy Rowe last week. Oh yeah, he was take the credit for it. No, it, it was probably a few people, but <laughs> it was a few people. But we'll give it to Andy Rowe. Yeah, we'll take that. Plagiarism, we'll take plagiarism. That's yeah. what we do. Very good. Francois, people talk about the emotional drivers of South Africa. It means more than rugby, okay? You've already spoken about being the biggest game against the All Blacks, the hacker. Is there a thing that's spoken about within the Springbok team of how they face the hacker? If so, how do they? Because you said you, as kids, you were, the parents ushered you in. It's on TV, they're about to play, let's watch the hacker. Is there a thing that's done? Is it spoken about? Or is it just eyeball the fucking life out your opposite man? <laughs> Jim, I'm going to go with the latter. I think it's an amazing bit of rugby um, heritage that we have that, you know, there's this, there's this ultimate challenge laid on, um, you know, from the All Blacks. Um, you know, I did a pod a couple of weeks ago down in Marseille with Tana Umanga, and he was talking about the two hackers. Whichever one they decide to do, it's, it's an awesome thing to face. You know, they obviously take confidence from that. And it's, you know, it's got to do with their history and their heritage as, as a country and, and you know, and, and, and sort of the tribes there. But I think as, a, as an opponent, you know, to face that, um, that's a challenge that gets laid down. I mean, that means here we are. This is it. It's about to start. Now, I dare say we take as much confidence from it as they do. You know, it's a, it's a huge moment. I don't know, different breaks treated in different ways. We don't sort of tell each other what to do. Generally, you try and spot out your opposite number and you just look in the eye and be actually just telling him I'm coming for you. It's an amazing thing to to be a part of and it, it really just puts that uh, point and moment in the game saying, here we are, this is Test Match Rugby, this is the occasion, let's see who can deliver at the end of, at the, end of the 80 minutes. Who's fucking having it? Yeah. Who fucking wants some? (laughs) Did you ever get told how to face it or did any senior player go, okay, this is what to expect, this is how you should approach this? Or did you ever actually have your own game plan of this is how I'm going to do it? No, we haven't we haven't rehearsed anything. I mean, we've seen a couple of teams rehearse in different ways. England, they've got like the flying V at times. And the French were the coolest. I mean, they basically almost... Climbed into the hacker one year, which was uh, that was going to be quite cool if it kicked off. Oh seven, yeah. And if that was sort of like ten years back, it probably would have kicked off. It would have been an amazing sight. But I mean, you just uh, you know whatever works for you. I mean, we, you're so pumped up for a test match either way. You know, you, you just get out there and you just feel it. It's always a little bit different facing the hacker in New Zealand because they they kind of put the microphones in front of them as well. And it's like ringing in a stadium, which is like. Uh, Whereas when they play, they play away, there's, there's no mics and you kind of like the, your home fans are, are cheering loud and they're doing it. So uh, you kind of just find your mate. There's no order that we stand in. You'll see uh, generally like the mates stand next to each, each other. You can kind of pick it up and you see who's, who's close. And you want to be with your, your good mate off the field as well. He's now on the field with you and you, you kind of feel it. You know, the guys are gripping each other's jerseys and you can feel it in their grip, how much it means to them and what they're going to hopefully give that match. But whatever works for you. Do we know if the horseshoe won? Banter. I mean, imagine that we're going to do a horseshoe. Who's right. doing the horseshoe? <laughs> Ours was a flying V. It was a flying vagina <laughs> that we engulfed them in and beat them. Anyway, Francois, give it to us then. The final Saturday. Who's winning? What's the score? How's the game going to go? And what do you South Africans reckon? Because either way, it's going to be a ridiculously amazing contest. Yeah, it's a 50-50, isn't it? It's so hard. I'm going to not go 50-50. I'm going to go 51-49, Jim. I think it's going to be a hell of a tight game. We're going to see another close one. I think they're going to be tries in this. It's not going to be um, quite as dull as as a previous game. I think um, you know both teams want to score. 
I think we're going to eke it out in the end. I think it's going to come down to to the one man to do a kick either side. It's going to come down to those penalties. Andre. Um, the general is going to have to deliver for us. And I think, you know, what an occasion for that. You know, going into these games, I think back, um, you know, my involvement in 2019, it's... Uh, you generally think discipline. It's you know, something we speak about all the time. You say, you know, what's the average penalty count we needed to, to get in games to be effective? And I think at that time it was sort of seven, seven, seven or eight penalties was the maximum we get in games. If we go beyond that, we're overstepping the mark. We're more than likely to lose, which is quite funny because you look at some of the Premiership games and <laughs> well over double digits. Well, Jim, Jim was seven per game. Uh, I, I was eighteen. I was eighteen. <laughs> it'd be worst. <laughs> and um, twenty nineteen was. Pan out very differently than what we thought, but it generally we thought it's going to come down to discipline and kicks. It's going to come down to one man. We've got to be there. We've got to chase every kick. We've got to be on it. Um, but it's those small moments within a game. You know, you literally off your game for 60 seconds and a team can score two tries. I mean, it takes less than 30 seconds to score a try and they can run 50 meters and, you know, glorious day, but you're literally off your game for that, that short amount of time. But I think it's going to be a colossal battle. It's going to be super tight. We are going to see tries. I think it's going to be. A bit of a pendulum with who takes the lead. But in the end, South Africa to eke out the victory to be crowned four times world champions is my call. Crazy talk. Uh, he's convinced me. Back to back. <laughs> the greatest. The greatest are going to win, eh? The greatest. <laughs> we'll end this conversation on that crazy talk. Francois, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Oh, huge pleasure, guys. Always, always good to chat to you. Cheers, Francois. Awesome, Francois. Oh, bye. Top, man. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, mate. Top, Top lad. lad. Yeah, he is. I spent a bit of time with him in Dublin at the European fight. He's a really good guy. Did he take you out, Jim? And you take him out in Paris? or I saw the nick of Beaver Donald, yeah. the old Stephen Donald, the week before, and you had dry mouth, and you had him with no clothes, <laughs> with no wallet, with no phone. He'd lost everything. I said, what? And he said, Francois Lowe. And then I've got a place in Paris. So yeah. I've kept off the planes, as it were, and staying in the weeds. But yeah, he's a top lad, brilliant at the weekend, and he's really close to the Springbok players as well. So played against him as well. Legend. Awesome to have him on. Well, he talked about the hacker there, and it's a big thing, isn't it? I've got a couple of questions. Andy Rowe, you've done a hacker, haven't you? At a live show. Oh, God. How funny. Remember that? One of the worst things I've ever seen, Jim. How funny. He's had that much to drink that he's like screaming as he's doing it, straining, and it genuinely looked like you're just about to shit yourself. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, post that video up on our social media channels. And Goody, after he was like, Andy Rowe, that's awesome. He's like, mate, d don't touch me. Like, leave me. I was like, what? You He's weren't like, even there, you I liar. need 15 minutes. I need 15 <laughs> minutes to calm down. He's you like, I'm hyped. He's like, I'm going to slam someone through a table. Like, as in, just leave me. So what do you mean you're going to slam someone through a table? Yeah, I just need to go and calm down. I'm just going to go outside, get some fresh air. Yeah. So, fucking, what's going on? joke you are, aren't you? Where have you been there, Hamilton? Right. How about if New Zealand win the World Cup final, you'll do a hacker? Mate, my oh, wife is mouldy. She will kill me if I do another hacker, especially if I take... Why? If, You're a Kiwi. Yeah, I'm also like very white, pale, flabby Kiwi. What's wrong with that? I shouldn't be taking my shirt off and doing a hacker. Just do the hacker, mate. <laughs> you do and the hacker. My next, well, I'm not a Kiwi. My next question is... Aaron Smith got this paddle from somewhere. Yeah, it's a cool paddle, though. Yeah. What, what do you mean he's got it from somewhere? Well, <laughs> I don't know, because it's, it's just come out over the last few months, hasn't it? Is it a paddle? I thought it was a sword. I think it's like a, a walker paddle. I, I think walkers are canoes that the Māori came to New Zealand on. Yeah. So it's got cultural significance. Yes. Mm. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Imagine, like, just whacking someone that. When you know he's doing it, he's pointing it. It looks... 
He looks mean, doesn't he? It? it looks like a weapon that he's going to whack someone. Oh, they've got cooler weapons than that. Really? Yeah, they've got tie hars and the green green stone things that cut your head off. They've got whoa, all whoa, sorts whoa, of cool, whoa, whoa. We don't cool, need that. cool weapons. Yeah, we don't yeah it's that. not meant to be aggressive, though. It's not meant to be aggressive, the whole thing. But I love the hacker. Lay down a challenge. I do love Lay it. Lay down the challenge. I love the hacker. I don't think they should do it every game. I had this chat with Justin Marshall. I just said, bring it out, special occasions. Not that playing Uruguay or Italy aren't special occasions, but then his argument was that a player might only get one cap, etc. But I was like, well, yeah, but it's not about the one player, is it? It's about just biggest stage. Not that the World Cup isn't, but when you put 100 points on Italy, you're kind of wasted. And do you know what they need to do? Like the TV producers, stop panning around the crowd when the hacker's on. Yes, I agree. Get on Rico Ioani, get on Ardi Surveyor, Get on the boys that are going to get the tongues out. With the long ones. Get on Sam Kane's small mouth. Kind of, yes, tiny mouth, isn't it? Kind of interesting, because Ardy Surveyor is probably the hardest fucker in that New Zealand team, isn't he? And he was hidden. I saw it at the weekend. I'm trying to work out, is it a hierarchy? Obviously, Sam Kane's the captain, so he's at the front, and Aaron Smith's got his paddle and he's leading it. But is there a hierarchy of where everyone stands? Because there's a big thing around Rico Ioani when he's he's the last one to go down to deck, and he's like, yeah. He looks, he looks amazing, hard as anything. But then I'm like, Ardi Saver, where's Ardi? Where's Ardi? I love Ardi Saver. Oh, I think it's so fucking cool. Yeah. I think the hacker's one of the coolest things you can do, unless it's Andy Rowe and his mates doing it. It's yeah. very embarrassing. That was embarrassing. Guilty. Guilty. So if you win the World Cup, you're doing it next Monday in studio. But he needs 15 minutes, though. He needs 15 yeah. minutes to go and recover because <laughs> exactly. he's too fired up. Too fired up to a podcast. Otherwise, I'll put you through the fucking monitor. Well, Jim, you were questioning the first semi-final you weren't that impressed you weren't that entertained you want to see his smile on his face here Jim dreadful oh. the arrogance is just pouring out of this Kiwi in his black t-shirt you know when a game is poor when I peered over from where I was sat and you can see people flicking on social media looking at pictures of you I couldn't see that far hopefully <laughs> it wasn't there was a few naked bodies on some of the pictures they were flicking through You've seen that, you've seen the, the old boy in the stands at the football and someone's videoing him looking at her, <laughs> looking at his phone. Absolute terror. You just have to blame AI and say, well, that's not me and that's not my phone and they're not my pictures. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. What was the score of the game, Andy? I can't remember the score. 44-6. The first, there you go. The first 10, 15 minutes were quite... And then Angus Gardner just thought, fuck it, I'm going to give everything to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest, he gave the All Blacks the rub of the green. Yeah, I saw, I think it was Jordy Barrett's, was it was his hand on the floor, Bowden yeah. Barrett flicks the ball and Cabelli knocks the ball up. I'm not disputing the fact New Zealand win that game every day of the week. However, Angus Gardner referees it. But in the first 30 minutes, he only knew one team to penalise and one team to give penalties for. And maybe I'm being a bit harsh, you could pick out loads of rucks where I'm like, how the hell have the All Blacks got away with that? Good at the rucks, though. Good yeah, at the rucks. Well, and fair play to them. Always have been. Get away with murder. They played the referee at what he was refereeing and got away with a lot of stuff. Whereas you watch it back and I don't know how Angus Gardner, I'm still going to have another moan. Angus Gardner hasn't been one of the top two or three referees in the world. Oh, this is where you're coming from. Where's Luke Pearce? Yeah, here he is. Where is Luke Pearce? Honestly, <laughs> we've said it on here. Luke Pearce, one of the best referees in the world. And I'm sorry, Angus Gardner should not have got a semi-final. It should have been Luke Pearce as one of the best referees in the world. Or Machu now, my good friend. Bonjour, Machu. Should we talk about how good Will Jordan was? Breaking eight, is he? Is he going to break eight, oh, Jim? Andrew, I think I said Will Jordan 
would be top try scorer. Say he it. Did. Ex, I think I think he did. Ex, ex, say ex, expert opinion. Hype man. Expert. What happens if Henry opinion. Arundel plays against Argentina and gets four though? Oh, oh, very true. Good. Yeah. <laughs> still in there, still in there with a chance, isn't he? Did you say that though? Did you say? Yeah, I said Damien Penneau, who was up there. It was a great yeah. shout. And then what did we say? You said player of the tournament. I said Ty Byrne. I reckon I said Sam Kane. No. <laughs> no chance you said Sam Kane. I didn't, no. I'm trying to think. I, mean, I might have said Ebenezer because I love Ebenezer. No, he gets hooked off after 45. He did, yeah. Keep him fresh for the finale. I, I think they gave so much, didn't they, them lads, yeah. in the quarterfinal. But yeah. I definitely said Will Jordan's break. Eh? Unbelievable. What a talent he is. Yeah, he's unreal. I am going to question something about Will Jordan, though. Oh, Ridiculous finisher, ridiculously quick. How hard is he? Like, has he got the bit between his teeth? You know when they're going, he's, he's lovely to look at. You don't see him do the dirty, do you? And you've got to go dirty against Africa. He does punch through around the rucks. Yeah, but I'm just like defensively and then... Aerially. Aerially, when the pressure's on, it might just be a little weakness this weekend. But he's yeah, hell of, hell of a finisher. Hell of a finisher. Yeah. You, you're looking at him, you're not thinking he's got a bit about him like defensively and he wants it I love that Andy Goode is profiling wingers for toughness yeah he's changed you're playing the toughest <laughs> team ever now South Africa but no he scored class. eight tries he scored yeah. eight tries I'll tell you who I did look at the weekend and thank God they got him out of the strip clubs because Talea was ridiculous why can't people tackle him I don't understand what because he's is. got like he's got baby oil on still from the strip clubs that he got caught in um, <laughs> 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 he's vast up to the max he is unreal. Like, think about the wingers, the number 11. Let's be specific with that, that the All Blacks have had. Like, Julian yeah. Surveyor, he is on eight tries. The great late Jonah Lomu, who's, he's yeah. on eight. Joe Rockagoslo, I know he wore 14, but I'm sure he wore 11. He did a bit of both. Yeah, he wore 11. Yeah, he did a bit of both. He was on 11. Some of the players in that... So you have to be unbelievable. The fact that Caleb Clark is... We haven't even seen him. Can he get a game? In the tournament, and Leicester Fyinger Nuka as well scored How the well try. Did he play? I felt a bit bad. Actually. He was unreal. He was unreal in the quarterfinal. He's a bit, he's a bit of shit on defense. All right, mate, relax. A bit you shit. Watch Will Jordan defense. <laughs> he's he's an average. Andy, Andy Rowe. He's a bit shit on defense. <laughs> yeah, but I actually felt sorry for him because he came into that quarterfinal where Mark Talay was in the strip clubs and breaking curfews, and he was. I thought he was outstanding in the quarterfinals, and then I saw the team. Knowing the stories and Talea's back in, but my God, Talea paid it back, didn't he? Like, but uh, what about our group chat when we're on our group chat and it's like we're like, oh, Mark Talea's been out till four in the morning, lad, hell of a bloke. Hero. And uh, Andy Rowe is like, if that's happened, the All Blacks are back. <laughs> <laughs> and there they are in the final. Before we get on to the final, the big one for you guys, Goody. Look at your arrogance now, the big one, the third place playoff oh, that I'm you were in four be... years ago, your mug. Yeah, I mean, not bothered. What a waste of a game! Why do they? Why do they play it? I don't know. It, I mean, it's a tradition, isn't it? It's it's been played for World Cup after World Cup after World Cup. Who wants to play in third place playoff? In a contact sport, you shouldn't do it. We shouldn't be having it, lads. You lost the semis. Fancy another game next week? Yeah, fucking buzzing for it. No one's saying that to lift a bronze medal, but it's just been something that's a tradition of the World Cup for a long, long time. It'd be interesting to see how Steve approaches it. We've just got to get Matter again next week. But, you know, you've got opportunities to give Theo Dan a game. Do, do you now blood a few players? Or do you say, I'm doing everything to finish third? And if you're doing everything to finish third, you ain't worried about the future and you're just picking what you think is your best team, bearing in mind they've been through a war over the weekend, the energy reserves might be low, it's a six-day turnaround. 
But there's a lot of players in that squad that have been knocking around the England camps for probably the good part of 16, 17, 18 weeks now. Bevan Rod hasn't played, really. Theo Dan's been on the bench a lot. Walker, Hooker, Will Stewart. You, know, you go through the list, there's a lot of players that have had hardly any minutes. And that's Steve's prerogative. I hope you use it as a game where you give these guys opportunities to play an England shirt because it doesn't matter whether we win or lose, does it? Yes, of course it does. You put on an England shirt and you want to win a game, but there's nothing riding on it apart from a bronze medal that no one's bothered about anyway. So, And I'm probably doing a, a bit of a disservice to people that bought tickets, so I do apologise. But Do you think if you do win the bronze medal that you'll wear the medals? <laughs> Jim, the arrogance of this fucker. I hope you lose the final, Andy Ray, by about 30 points. He's laughing like Mutley. But he should do. We thought the All Blacks were down and out. Can you imagine him next week if they win? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, Andy Rowe, you know what, though? Fair play. I do love the All Blacks, I'll be honest. So there's a jealousy. I wish Scotland had the easy side of the draw and we'd be in the final as well. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a bronze fan. Where is this game going to be won and lost, boys? i tell you where I think it will be won and lost is how re-energised the Springboks are. And they'll get themselves up for it, of course they will, but you could see that some of their tanks were pretty empty. There's something big on that. Because if you look at the Springboks and Ireland had the same issue, is they've had to play knockout rugby for almost two months. Yeah. And the Springboks are going to the final. And New Zealand really there you go. had to kind of ease through pool play, not really having to do much. And then play the game against Ireland, get past Argentina, final. That is the thing. I saw South Africa at the weekend and they looked absolutely buggered, like emotionally drained compared to England, where that was. And this is no disrespect to Fiji, no disrespect to Japan and Argentina, but you know where I'm going with it, yeah. right? And the All Blacks are exactly the same. That was a team, and they were in third gear against Argentina. I don't care what anyone said who watches that. They were phenomenal against Ireland. Then when was their last biggest game? I wouldn't even say against France because that game compared to what we saw in the quarterfinals was nowhere near the level. And they were kind of in third or fourth gear. I just think, like you said, South Africa, to go into that Ireland game, the Scotland game as well, which was a big one for them. You could say the Tonga game physically and then go into that game against France emotionally getting to that level, then having to back up against England, scraping through the emotion with that. But it's one big game and you can never write South Africa off. They just know what they're doing. And they need to be, I would say, at the levels they were against France to be in this game. The All Blacks look great. Yeah, how they've played, how sharp they were against Ireland. And you're probably only judging them on the Ireland performance because as Jim said earlier, the Argentina game was a team run helped by a referee imagine if you're fozzy right you win the World Cup and then you get sacked well you're not getting sacked you've not had your contract renewed he didn't apply well it's because of the way you lot treated him we did treat him badly he guilty always, I apologise I'm he, sorry he always knew he always knew just around the World Cup mate come on the journey anyway listen All Blacks look great have they really been tested physically you go back to what the South Africans did to their scrum Where did, where's the All Black scrum come from as well they were monstering the scrum at the weekend all I remember was the scrum when the bomb squad came off the bench at Twickenham and you get a march back 25 metres in a scrum. I would say look to the game at Mount Smart Stadium that the All Blacks won for a fair comparison of what you might see this weekend. Yeah. Apart from the fact that the Springboks are going in off the back of a 
pretty hard tournament yeah. where the set piece was quite even. Yeah. Well, it was very even, marginally better for New Lomax, Zealand. Lomax is bigger than you. Lomax and, and De Groot have been yeah. huge. Yeah. And they've been injured as well. So that's what Ian Foster says. Who's in the row for you? Oh. Second row? Yeah. Retallick and Barrett. Barrett, yeah. You've been enough your most capped ever. He comes off the bench. So they've they've effectively rested Brody Retallick last week, bringing him off the bench against Argentina. He's a unit in Retallick. Like he just goes around maiming people. But he isn't at the level that he was. No. Unfortunately, you're talking about players playing at the very top of their game. If you say Ardi Surveyor is at that level, if you're talking about Eben Etzebeth, apart from the weekend, wasn't quite at that level. I'd say that Retallick was hands down the best second row in the world and he isn't quite at that level now. So there's a few little cracks, isn't there, within the All Blacks teams. Like a tiny few cracks, like Sam Kane, that massive game. He needs to be at that level again. Yeah. Aaron Smith played exceptionally well as well. Yes, yeah. very true. Yeah. Really good. And obviously, this is his last dance, isn't it, Aaron He's Smith. running it as well. Yeah. He hasn't run it for ages. Yeah. 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 I've been really impressed with him. Richard Moranga stepped up. But I just worry about Jordan on the kick receiving. Oh, God, there he is. <laughs> hey, you just don't want me to have my... Plaudits. I'm telling you, that's gonna he's gonna get found out this weekend, I think. Yeah. It's a fifty fifty game. The Springboks have missed a few tackles. They've missed a lot of tackles. Yeah. Yeah, but they fly out the line, don't they? I don't know whether that's a thing, just the way they're the ca- they're chaos when they defend. Sometimes the stats tell a different story to actually the suffocations. You like you used to hate as a player the tackle stats come out and when you've try to fly out the line, send someone back on the inside, they give you a missed tackle, but actually it's had a positive effect on the team because mm. they've gone back into a channel where you've got three defenders that get a turnover. And they have the most dominant tackles of any team yeah. by quite a distance as well. But the thing is with the Springboks, when it works for them, it works insanely well. But let's not forget they're playing an All Blacks team who didn't knock the ball on once against Ireland. They look very slick against Argentina at times. Their ball skills are off the charts at the minute, handling tip-ons out the back, ball out of contact. They look tippity-top. So with that, the weather is going to be massive because it was raining and it was slippy. I have had a look, James. Don't ever, don't ever believe the weather. And it says rain in the afternoon, but clear by 6pm. Oh, the All Blacks by 20. That arrogance. That is going to play a massive factor, isn't it? It did on Saturday. But if there's a team that can handle in any conditions at the minute... The All Blacks, smart rugby team, under the radar, they're in a final, they're flying into the final with a full bill of health, by all accounts. Strong bench as well, to match the bomb squad. Yeah. They've got Tamaiti Williams, who's massive, like what, T, 145 kilos, fit as a fiddle. Then if you remember when we spoke to Nick Gill, who he said is the, one of the biggest up-and-coming athletes strength-wise and someone who can go 80, Fletcher Newell, again. Yeah, but... Mate, you talk about, bo- you talk about the bomb squad. Nah, mate. Dane Coles. have. You couldn't get a sniff at the weekend, did he? He'll play. He'll play this weekend. Do you reckon? I reckon they'll bench him this weekend. You're right, especially up front. Quagga Smith has been phenomenal. Dion Free when he's come on. Ox and Shape, we mentioned he's been the difference for them. Vinny Cock. Vincent Cock as well. I haven't seen much of him. Yeah. Former teammate of mine came on. I'd say huge part of why they won the game. It's gonna for me. It's a fifty-fifty game. This is like a nine-eight classic. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do. I do. Twenty-eight, uh, twenty-nine. Really high yeah, scoring. I'm going, yeah, I'm going twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Mm. Andre Pollard kicking the winner again. Come on, Andre. Who do you want to win, Jim? Do you want the All Blacks to win or South Africa? 
I don't really know. I normally get a feel when I'm in there. Or you ain't bothered. I'm genuinely, genuinely not bothered, but I love both teams. I do love South Africa. There's something, I don't know whether, but I played in both countries. This is why it's difficult. I played in New Zealand for a year, had a mm. huge influence on my life and my career. The same as South Africa. I've got more South African friends than all black friends. Uh, but it just shows you like the difference, isn't it? You've got two Southern Hemisphere teams like I've won it three times there's a gulf isn't there unfortunately with the other teams mate not in the group stages not in the group stages Northern Hemisphere win the groups just don't win the knockout oh, it doesn't matter yeah that's the thing apparently alright Goody well yeah I'm going to stick with my 9-8 oh, I'm going to say the All Blacks really I just think they've had an easier path it's a 50-50 I just think it's an easier path and that's my only reason because they played a game in third gear against Argentina, whereas South Africa, the emotion, even winning that game, the energy that it takes to do that and the emotional, I don't know, celebrations after just in the, on that pitch, that's the small difference for me. You're saying the South Africans have played their final already? They've played about five finals. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, yeah. I am, Andrew. Not because they see it as a final, but because the games have been fucking solid. There you go. So he thinks all blacks. I think South Africa... New Zealand's going to win this comfortably only because they're fresh. That's it. South Africa's had the yeah, hardest, enough from you, Andy Rowe. The that hardest is enough from Andy road Rowe. to a final that, that any team's ever had. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're not the best team and don't deserve to win the World Cup, but they ain't winning the World Cup. No one from that pool could ever win the World Cup. We will see if they are famous last words, Andy Rowe. Let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's. A little bit of URC and Prem Rugby action over the weekend as well. Glasgow beat Leinster 43-25 to start the URC very well. Benetton get a shout-out as well. They beat Cardiff away 23-22, so big shout-out to them. In the Prem, Bristol, they beat Leicester at home last week and then they beat Northampton away this week in their opening two Premiership games, so well done them. Bath are going to get a mention in the good. 10 points out of 10, a bonus point victory down at Saracens to back up last week's victory over Newcastle. Finn got his box of tricks out. Some good, some very good, some worldly good. A little bit of bad. Chip off the shin that led to a try for Andy Christie. But he was phenomenal. Watch the offload. I put it on Twitter. That boy is a magician. And what else was good? Oxen Che and Vincent Cock came off the bench and destroyed England scrum to win the game for South Africa. So well done to them. The All Blacks get mentioned the good. 51 defenders beaten in a World Cup semi-final isn't bad with the help of a referee. So well done to the All Blacks. Will Jordan gets a mention in the good this week. He equaled Jonah Lomu's record, Brian Habana's record, Julian Tavares' record of eight tries. Not that hard though. In a World Cup with a game to go. I'm telling you, he ain't winning the good though. Because the good is going to go to my friend, Andre Pollard for having the biggest of spuds to kick that winner with two minutes to go. South Africa, backs against the wall. Looked like the game was gone, but Andre Pollard and Oxen Che basically worked together to win South Africa at that semi-final. So that's why they get the good this week. The bad few bits of bad sticking in the URC. The Scarlets get a mention of the bad this week. It was going well for Welsh rugby, but not so much. They got hammered 63-21 at the Bulls. Northampton get a mention of the bad this week. Brilliant in attack at times, but basically all fart, no poo. Absolutely zero defence. They've lost their opening couple of games in the Premiership. It just shows how important defence is. It won't win you titles, attack. Defence does. So Saints need to sort their defence out. Saracens get another mention of the bad. Record defeat last week, and they lost at home to Bath this week, giving up a bonus point as well. So not a good start to the Prem season for them. England scrum. 
Yeah, so mentioned the bad basically just in the last 20 minutes when Dan Cole and Joe Murrow had gone off. It was 1-0 to them on scrum penalties when Dan Cole went off and then they lost four scrum penalties in the last 20 minutes. So not good from them. But the bad this week goes to Dean Richards. What? Yeah. Not not the Dean Richards. Not Dino. Not Dino. D- TMO Dean Richards. If anyone wants to have a look at my Twitter or X, or go on to any Premiership Rugby site to watch the highlights, TNT Sports, whatever it is, watch the highlights of the Leicester Sale game. The biggest trip you've ever seen from Sam Bedlow to open up a hole for Dupree to go through, score the winning try for Sale, and put it on social media. He goes to the TMO, can you check the trip? He was like, yeah, that looks fine. Yeah, it looks fine. Most blatant trip you've ever seen on Dan Kelly for a winning try. He's basically Dean Richards, the TMO. He's having a poo. He's in the biscuit tin. He's not watching properly. And it's cost Leicester Tigers the game. Uh, but congrats to Sale for getting the victory. So that's why Dean Richards gets the bad this week. And the ugly, two bits of ugly, actually. Both equally bad in the sense of life. So we're going to combine this one. The accusation from Tom Curry around Bongi and Banambi, whether... It's been said or not, it's an ugly look for the game. Whether Tom Curry thought he heard something and whether Bongia Umbanambi said it, it's not a good look for the game. So that's pretty ugly. But also, what's even more ugly is the French fans and a few of them sending death threats to Kobus Reinach and his family. Why? Off the back of him beating the French in the quarterfinal last week. So pretty disgusting. French fans, that's why they get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And we have our final Asahi Beyond expected story for the World Cup, and this one's come in as a big thank you to Middleton Rugby Club in Cork Island. The town got hit with flash floods this week. The main street was flooded under three feet of water with shops and homes destroyed. The call went out for volunteers to help clean up the wreckage, and 30-odd lads from Middleton Rugby Club turned up to help out. They're a credit to the town and the community, and that note came in from a very grateful Mark Stanton, so well done, lads, and lasses and Jim you've got a shout out to finish off with don't you so this shout out come in from Cookie Monster the great John Pennycut, one of my best mates and it's a special shout out to a brilliant man named John Smith who was club chairman of Colchester Rugby Club who sadly passed away a few days ago his wife also passed away a few years ago and they leave behind four lovely kids all under the age of 18 so extremely sad the club has set up a GoFundMe page so we'll share the link on our socials as well. But otherwise, if you look for John Smith Memorial on the GoFundMe.com and just a shout out to everyone at Colchester Rugby Club, John's family, that we're thinking about you here from the Rugby Pod. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. And thanks, Producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. Let's go, South Africa. Oi. Oi.